Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Well, hello and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your standing host, Paul Wheelock. I'm delighted to be joined by three of our regulars, Gav Buckland, Adam Jones and Sam Carroll. Uh, we're here today to talk about a new contract for a young Everton player, to look back at the nil-nil draw at Crystal Palace at the weekend and what it means for the race for seventh. And also look at what it means for Everton if they were to finish outside the seventh uh, in the context of next season. But uh, we'll start off with the news that Tom Davis has been handed a new and improved contract. Gav, are you pleased with that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think it, it's a, it's a good move. It shows confidence in his ability and long term potential. Um, also protects his transfer value. Dare I say? Um, so yeah, it's a good good news all round, isn't it? So for, it's always good to see somebody from the academy having trust placed in them. So no complaints from me. I think it comes at a boost, Adam, because he, he, he travelled to Crystal Palace on Saturday but wasn't yeah. actually in the squad. And it's a situation he, he's found himself more and more in as the season's gone by. If not in the squad, maybe <clears> on the bench. Yeah, I think since Andre Gomez has gained full fitness, he's found uh, game time to be a little more limited for him. He had that spell when uh, it just a guy was out the side uh, towards the end of January and early February and actually thought he played quite well during that little spell. But... Uh, <sighs> On the one hand, I could see why he might be a little bit disappointed with the amount of game time that he's got this season. He has got less game time than he got last season. But I think the environment that he's playing in this season is so much better for him to develop as a player. He did get a lot of minutes last season, but there was so much pressure on him last season. And he was playing in a position that he didn't really know. He was playing a lot deeper, almost next to the Drissa guy uh, in a sort of defensive midfield role. And, you know, having looked watch Tom Davis now for over two years everyone knows that that's not his best position he thrives when he's got a bit of a more of a free role almost like Andre Gomez has been given over the last few months really so uh, it would be nice to see Davis given that kind of opportunity in the future you know if we do sign Gomez in the summer or if we're to sign another midfielder with similar attributes to Gomez then that's a player that Davis can really learn off try and learn that sort of role uh, from you know, a player who's world class, and like if it's Gomez, then he's a he's a world class footballer. So I think it's a really positive move for Davis to get this contract. Absolutely interesting one. Sam Adam picked up on there. The, the kind of narrative around Tom Davis at the moment is that he's never really hit the same heights that he did when he first burst onto the scene. But do you think, in a way, as Adam was saying there, that this season's a bit of a learning curve? He's been away from the pressure a lot of it. Do you think it actually might benefit him in the long run? Hopefully, I think he's obviously been a victim of, uh, you know, how well he, he did when he first came into the team. And I mean, when you chop between Gael Clichy and Yaya Torre and, and, and score a goal like he did, you know, people probably expect that almost on, on a weekly basis. Then, you know, he's obviously shown he can do that. I think um, when we beat Crystal Palace in that Koeman season and, and uh, Coleman scored the goal, mm. he played that ball, yeah. that, like kind of defence splitting pass, didn't he? And, 
you know, he was kind of showing these moments and obviously he hasn't been able to do that as much in the last 18 months or so. But, you know, I think me and you were talking about it last night when we had him and, and you know, obviously as you point out, he's 20. And Yeah, I think people often forget that, don't they? Because he yeah. came through at such a young age, like he's still 20. Yeah, and I think, you know, you kind of look at what he's what he's achieved so far and I think he's captained England at every youth level. He's a regular in, in, in the under-21s. He's an Everton first-team player. You know, he's had probably more game time than, than John Joe Kenny this season, you know, who's, who's kind of of his age. You know, Keaton Dahl got loaned out. You know, Adam O'Luckman hasn't featured. You know, he, he's still captain Everton at this young age and he's he's ticked a lot of, a lot of the boxes, you know, and, and obviously we, we couldn't all sit here and, and kind of not admit that probably hasn't quite went the way we'd have hoped 100%. But, you know, there's still a lot of time left. And, and I think what I like about this contract is that you know, it, it it must be it must be tough to be a young lad and come through and play so well and have everyone telling you how great you are and then maybe have a, a year or so of people kind of not not doing that and you know to travel in games. You know, he's he's kind of lost lost out. He went behind Morgan Schneidlin in the pecking order as well. You know, to go all the way to Crystal Palace and be told, you know, you're not even getting a kit for the day is is tough. But you know, I think Silva when he gave him the captaincy and and Marcel Brand as well are, are saying to him, look. You know, we have got faith in you and, and we do think you can be a big part of our midfield because there's there's still question marks over Gomez's future, there's question marks over Gay's future, there's question marks over Schneiderland's future. You know, so d- d- depending on how things work out in the summer, t- Tom could have a, a crucial role to play next season, but I, I fully expect he will be more involved. If Gav, we've seen Marco Silva, the kind of midfield he likes to set up with now. Long term, where do you see Tom Davis playing in it? Probably not, as Adam say, not in the holding role. I think he's more, oh, cliche, box to box. Uh, <laughs> my concern for him is, is though, is what the 10 Premier League starts this year out of what, 30, mm-hmm. 34, 35, 36 games. Um, talk about even if we don't have just a Garner guy and or Andre Gomez next season, the possibility is we'll bring one or two more senior midfield players in. The concern I've got is how much going game time you'll get over the next sort of 12 to 18 months and how he can show that he's good enough to play in the first team. If it, It's like a chicken and egg, isn't it? You know, you can't say you're good enough to play in the first team unless you play in the first team. Uh, and I, I've got concerns over how much game time he's going to get. And going back to my original point, I, think, I still think this is around protecting the investments in him, uh, this as well. Um, but who knows? He may. Sometimes at certain ages, you can you can have a big step change in your in your form and influence. You may have that. But I have concerns over how much game time I'd say he's going to get. I don't think it's a problem that's exclusive to Davis, though, is it? Like it's probably a concern that a lot of these young players are going to have, especially with Everton wanting to grow back into you know a regular European club, you know, challenging for trophies and everything. We obviously need to improve the squad we need to be active in the transfer window to bring quality players in like you've got the likes of Adam Ola Luchman who's struggling for game time John Joe Kenny Davis uh, if we were to bring in a striker Calvert-Lewin would, would, mm-hmm. would absolutely struggle as well but like that's the that's just the kind of I think that's just the life of a young player in the Premier League these days it's a challenge it's a challenge for him as well though isn't it you know, he's you, got to look you, at it as that yeah. yeah you know you can't just sit here and go oh well they're going to bring two senior midfields in they'll be regular starters I mean you know, at the a couple of months, well, at the start of the season, certainly when we brought Zuma in, 
you were kind of thinking, well, Michael Keane's just our third choice sub centre back now, mm. you know, and, and he's raised his game. Go if we sign Kertuma, Yeni Mina will will not be in the team, you know, and, and I think for for Davy, he's got to look at it and say, if he played the way he played when he first broke into the team, he would probably still get into into any midfield and, and well, most midfields in, in in the Premier League, and you know he, he's got to try and raise his levels or at least find what kind of player he is because I think that's probably been the, the main uh, reason he, he struggled a little bit is because, you know, different managers have used him in different positions and he hasn't quite figured out who he is as a footballer and as a midfielder yet. And obviously, as we're saying there, I think the, the free role kind of does suit him a little bit more, but, you know, you can't always have the luxury of, of doing that. Certainly, you know, if you go away to your Old Traffords and your Emirates and, and, and Anfield, whether you can afford to have a free role midfielder all the time, I'm not too sure about, but Tom has got a lot of attributes. You know, he, he can do a lot of things on the ball and off the ball. You know, he, he can run all day. So there's, there's, there's scope and, and there's potential there, but definitely a, a big challenge for him next season because, as Gav says, we probably almost definitely will be surprised if we, including Gomez, didn't sign two, potentially three central midfielders, depending on what happens with Schneidlin and Gay. Yeah, mm. yeah I, th- I think... There's a couple of issues there, is that as Sam said, that you know, if you get to 20, you don't know what your best position is. I think also, as well, is how many 20 year old midfielders are getting regular game time in the Premier League at the moment? Not many, not many, not sense at all. Actually, the extent of how many 20 year olds are getting game time in the Premier League at the moment because mm. what Adam was talking about with Evan that applies to all, all clubs, yeah. doesn't it? And, and that it goes back to the development of academy footballers up to the age of 23, isn't it? And, and the relationship with the first team, it all boils down to that. And and I think um, it's it's going to be a major challenge for them to get in the first team. I'm, I'm assuming by giving them the contract that the the club and brands feels that he has he's up to that challenge. And let's see let's see where it takes us. But I I do have concerns over how much game time is going to get. I think this is just this the latest stage of the project yeah, though essentially yeah. because obviously the the final aim for this project is to have Everton winning trophies you know in Europe on a consistent basis and if we're going to be in Europe on a consistent basis we're going to be challenging for all the domestic trophies as well then we're going to need a big squad and yeah, not just a big absolutely. squad one that's got quality deep in its roots as well and if we've got someone like Tom Davis sat on the bench at the minute if we were like let's say Wolves capitulate and we are to get into the Europa League next season like Tom Davis will then get his opportunities playing first team football, whether that be in a few league games or in Europa League games, you know, like the, yeah. those opportunities will kind of come up. So I think it's nice that Brands and Silver, like it, the whole reality is that it probably won't happen next season for the Europa League, but the planning ahead for the future, they're making sure that the, the, the foundations are already in place. And hopefully Davis is just the first one of many. Would you, would you like to say, I know this has been moved before and it's happened, he's played that right back occasionally, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've not seen that option explored. And um, he wouldn't be the first midfielder to move, move to right back for Evan. And, and I'm just wondering whether that's maybe an option in the future that's still, still there. Mm. Because he, he's got all the ideal attributes for the right back, hasn't he? He's quick, he's mobile. Um, he's used to moving up further up the pitch. Mm. Um, I'm just wondering if that's still an option that's still there on the table for him, um, which would be quite interesting. Just- uh, I think if Davis were to move to right back and I with John Joe Kenny, I'd be fuming. 
But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But Davis has got more first team experience and it's just it's just something that I'd like to uh you know, I'd like to see looked at, to be fair. Enough. So open it in, in a wider context as as Evertonians, as someone who's who's been on the books as Everton as a kid. We all no, no, you don't, 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 yeah. don't bring that up to him. Yeah, he played well in goal on Sunday as well. Back. He went back. No, no, what was he back at his old club? He was in goal as well. I seen him playing goal. Back for FC eight yeah. two. What you got? He's eight two. No, we won eight two. You know, we won eight two. He got he got booked in a friendly. Yeah, let's let's clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Ref well, wasn't too happy with that, was he? That's his professional background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two sides to him. But in all seriousness, you you're right there. Just talk more about me being on the. We'll, we'll do that at the end. <laughs> the outtakes. Uh, you know, this summer there's going to be more signings coming in. It's clear that they're not. They're going to leave no one st- uh, stone unturned in, in where they may get these signings from across the continents, across the globe. Does it does it matter for you to have a Tom Davis, a John Joe Kenny in there, or do you have to look at it in a way that what makes Everton better? And if it means an academy graduate not playing, or maybe not being in the squad, or being on the bench, so be it. <sighs> It's a tough one. I think you can't you can't discount the importance of academy players, and I think it's right that Marcel Brands has often talked about that. You know, Ed Farad Mashiri talk about the importance of young players as well as Marco Silva over the last few weeks as well. But the long the long and short of it, we've just got to make sure that Everton progress on the pitch in whatever way possible, and whether it be. Davis starting every game or whether it's Gomez starting every game or whatever who, whoever whoever it takes to get Everton back up to the level that they need to get at I think that really should be the priority if it were me but I'm not sure what the lads think Now it goes back to what you were saying in, 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 a, in a big enough squad to scope for a balance isn't well, it? Well yeah uh, and I think it sends the right message out to academy players in general if you give them People have come through the academy, you know, a long-term contract, and indeed made them captains well this year. I believe mm-hmm. on some games, so I, I, think, I still think the scope there, uh, as long as you've identified that that player could eventually be a first-team player, you know, mm. on a, on a permanent basis, which I think obviously is still the feeling around uh, around Finch Farm. And he said bench. Belfield, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my age there. So I'm sure say it, like, yeah, yeah. Is he our youngest ever captain? Yeah, Davis. Yeah, I mean that's that's by by, uh, by a good year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that shows some faith in him, really, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's just a ceremonial thing for the League Cup game. He's been in the Premier League as well. Yeah, against Arsenal, Arsenal, you know, Arsenal away. Yeah. yeah. So there's ob- that if you put that package all that together, there's obviously Silver and Brands got faith in his his ability and 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 determination to succeed, and that's what you're looking in. You know, you're looking at in terms of this deal. I think. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Which clearly will get his chance again, Tom Davis. Not this season, certainly next season. But on Saturday, he did have to watch it from the stands. Sam, you were there for us uh, with Phil. What did you make of the nil nil draw at Palace? Um, well, Stars are pretty crazy because they actually have an eagle. We have an eagle that flies around the I pitch. can't believe you didn't know this. <laughs> but then they also have like a, a giant, e- like a man in an eagle suit. Like a mascot, yeah. A mascot yeah. and cheerleader. So my head just absolutely fell off by this point <laughs> by the time the players and came out. So I didn't know what was going on. So yeah, it was a, it was a good start. And then 
Uh, it, was, it was weird actually because after the game and we were waiting for the players to, to come out and, and speak to the speak to the media and stuff and there was two other guys from the press there and they kind of said like I mean we mustn't be able to believe it was nil nil like you absolutely bathed them and watching it kind of hadn't felt like we did we did bath them and, and then after the game you kind of think I think we hit the post twice and uh, obviously Calvert-Lewin had a, a couple of early chances and uh, Richarlison put a good ball in the Calvert-Lewin threw himself out and was so close to, to getting his head on it so you know, probably on the on the general on the general reflection, we we, we did deserve to just nick it. Yeah, probably a little bit disappointing that we haven't took the race for seventh a little more down to the wire. Definitely think, you know, I don't think Wolves would have beat Liverpool on the last day. So if you could be Burnley, you'd, you'd put yourself in with a chance there if we'd have got three points. But again, you know, it's it's more signs of improvement. It's, it's another clean sheet. We played well. Uh, I thought a little bit of quality was lacking in the final third. I don't think. Any of those front four could particularly say they had the the best afternoon in an Everton shirt. I think the problem with Gilfie Sigurdsson will always be that you know if he if he doesn't score, doesn't get on the ball enough, he can look very quiet. But he does make up for that with his with his work rate. Bernard kind of flitted in and out of the game. Richarlison's decision making at times was a little bit up and down. You know, like any young player. And then obviously, you know, as as we kind of said earlier, Calvert Lewin. You know, just needed to kind of be a bit more ruthless when he had that opportunity early. It was almost like he couldn't believe that the, this kind of chance had presented itself to him so early on. So, you know, I think on a different day, if the front four were kind of playing like they did against Manchester United, we'd have, we'd have won that easily, 2-3-0. Two, two but, yeah, again, a, a positive to take, a clean sheet to take, a point away from home. And if, if next season we can turn those games into wins, you know, we'd have no problem. I think the probably only disappointing thing now is when you look back across the season, you know, you look at games like that, you know, there's a lot of home games like Huddersfield, Newcastle, Watford, Wolves, you know, games where we've dropped points, even if just in two or three of those games we'd, we'd took a point or we took a couple of extra points, you know, we'd, we'd easily be seventh, we'd have walked home. So, yeah, again, you, you can see with every game, can't you, that Silver's kind of identity is coming into this team. And, you know, certainly in the first half, there was like three or four times where we won it back high up the pitch. And that was kind of what we were seeing at the start of the season. And, you know, games like Southampton and Bournemouth. And, you know, so for every game that Marco's identity and, and he can put his footprint on this team, you know, obviously it's going to be difficult again in the summer because more new players come in, players leave the club and, you know, you're trying then to get these new players used to the style of play we want to but you know I think what's good about this is for the first time in a long time I can see an identity in Everton I can see a plan I can see what what, what he kind of wants to do you know you didn't see that under Allardyce the last days of Coombe and the last days of Martinez you didn't see it so I think it's all, it's all slowly coming together and you know let's try and get a win against Burnley and then you know West Ham have already shown you can go to Spurs and, and, and beat them as well so it'll be a positive end to the season if we at least get two performances have you watched the game as well? You're in a similar boat. I know it was two points dropped yeah, in the, in the yeah. race for Europe, but did you see positives from the performance? Yeah, of course. I mean, defensively, we're looking very solid at the moment. Is it seven clean sheets in nine games? Mm-hmm. We haven't conceded a, a first half goal, I think, for 10 Premier League games. No, I think it was only the aberrations in the mad 20 minutes at Newcastle and a poor second half of Fulham is the only time, really, in those nine or 10 matches that we've looked uncomfortable defensively you know I thought my man of the match on, on Saturday was Zuma I thought he was, I thought he was superb um, they were the good points going back to Sam's point yeah I think uh, I mean issue with the team isn't it <laughs> it's funny how these things pan out isn't it you know like six or seven weeks ago whatever we're looking to the end of the season the places we've got to go and get results at Newcastle Fulham 
you know, Crystal Palace, um, because if you see the team's got to play at home, it's, it's, worth, it's worth out the complete opposite way, hasn't it, really? Um, so that, that, that in itself is disappointing. Um, for me, it, it shows up our main issue at the moment in terms of developing the team, and, and Sam was alluding to that, is against the bigger teams, dare I say the top six, it'll give you space to attack them and uh, give you a bit more freedom up front. Um, I think Silver, that, that fits nicely into Silver's sort of management style. I think where the opposition, if they don't park the bus, make it difficult for us and sit deep, then I think that's where we have struggled this season. Um, and that's reflected in, in the results, as, as Sam was saying there. Um, and the next stage is, is for us to get a you know a squad that's capable of... of of unlocking the opposition defence and playing with a little bit more cleverness of the such word in around the, the opposing box. Because at the moment, I'm not sure whether that's there. Um, I'm not sure about what, what sort of creativity Richarlison gives you wide, right? You know, because he's, he's he's naturally, I think, just a forward, isn't he? He likes playing wide rather than some of these creative. And I think that, caused, I think that causes problems. Uh, where Bernard is a natural, natural creator, isn't he? Mm. Um, so I think that's that's maybe an issue going forward, and so uh, I think in terms of developing, that's one one things we need to try and work on. Someone's get players you can unlock, you know, defensively. Now it's, he can unlock just in his own kind of way, isn't he? You know, he's not like a, someone who's going to slide the ball through, but he just has that moment of magic. And you know, even against Palace when he put that ball in for Calvert Lewin on another day, you know that that goes in as well, yeah, doesn't he? He's he, shown time and time again, Richard, you know that. You know, even against Manchester United, you know, he, he makes a, an overhead kick look pretty easy there, doesn't he? Yeah, so, what, what I'm talking obviously about. Obviously, his game soon, I said, should have been sent off for a, for a high boot. <laughs> yeah. No red uh, bangs there. <laughs> but but he's, he's, he's a forward playing out wide, isn't he, for me? Richarlison, rather than a creative player playing out wide. And I think sometimes it, it's nice to get a balance. Um, I'm not complaining about it. Gav Buckland once Richarlison dropped. Is the no, I don't think. It's what options we've got there. Isn't it? And we have, Walcott isn't doing anything. And I would like to see a little bit more creativity on the right. By the way, um, if Cenk Tosin would have scored that goal, easily goal of the season, spinning back heel volley. <laughs> yeah. like the, I just couldn't believe what I'd seen, and it was just amazing. Like what a save that was by by Guaita. But it's a, it's just to kind of quickly go away and, and talk about Tosin. It's like he has got something. He's, he's, he's a goal, he'd score goals, wouldn't he? It's just a, you know, me and Phil were saying in the car, in the car back from Crystal Palace, if you, if you could just kind of mould Tosin and Calvert-Lewin into one super player, you know, because Tosin's just got that kind of natural, and, and obviously it, it didn't go in, but, you know, just a real kind of poacher's instinct to kind of do that on the weekend. And, yeah, I think, as Gav's saying, obviously, quite strange at the moment for Everton, isn't it? Because, you know, Richarlison, as Gav says, the forward who likes playing out wide and... You know, Bernard kind of more naturally a winger. Cavett Lewin's been used across the front three, but is more a striker, but you know, hasn't regularly found goals. And obviously, I think Phil wrote a couple of months ago that Everton are kind of looking for forwards who, who can play across yeah, yeah, that yeah. forward line and hopefully do bring that little bit of di- dynamism. But as I made the point, I think before we came on here, as it were, you about the midfield, about whether we can get more out of the midfield, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think the problem, it, it's more a problem that I've seen over the last few weeks rather than a in the game against Crystal Palace because, you know, as both of you have alluded to, Pat Calvert-Lewin did miss chances against Crystal Palace. But in the few weeks previously, I had seen people, 
you know, debating whether Calvert-Lewin should have his place in the team because he wasn't scoring goals. And my counter to that was, can you name a chance that he missed? Mm. And I don't think he had, I certainly don't think he had a chance to score against Man United. Uh, not sure, but like, about the game, pretty, yeah, he missed he missed one against Fulham, that you, which he probably should have scored. But I don't think he's getting a multitude of chances to try and stick in the back of the net. And I think it alludes to what you're saying, you know, about you know these teams who sit back against us. I think it's a problem that Everton have had for years, to be honest. Like it was the age age old, you know, when West Brom used to come to Goodison Park, like and you knew you knew how they were going to set up, you know, yeah. two banks of four and. I remember going to those games with my dad and I'd just be like, are we going to be able to break these down? And, you know, more often than not, we probably didn't. And I, th- I feel like we've fallen into that bracket again. You know, pa- Palace, let's say they weren't very ambitious uh, at the weekend. They, I think they would be very, very happy to have come away from that one with the point. Well, Roy Hodgson said at the end, you know, if Everton had won that one, one nil, he couldn't have, uh, he couldn't have cried shambles about it. But, yeah, it's a pro- I think it's a problem that Everton have suffered with for a long time. And I think that Silva and and the players as well will learn quite a lot about themselves from games like that. You know, you, it, it's all well and good to go and beat, you know, teams like Manchester United 4-0 at home. But I think these games against Crystal Palace, you know, the, the games you where you... It, you can't do it on a cold night. Well, <laughs> it, it's, the, it's the games where you struggle, the games where you're frustrated. That's where you really can learn a lot about how you set up as a team and how you can then improve in the future. You know, I've got no doubt that Silva will have them in all week looking at video analysis packages of, you know, the chances they've missed, how they could have done better. Whereas it's a bit harder to pick up on stuff like that when you, you know, when you're battering Manchester United or Goodison Park. So hopefully Silva can then turn this into a positive, make it a learning curve. And then hopefully next season we'll probably won't eradicate games like this completely but we'll see a lot less of it just ask Scott on that point uh, it's, it's a personnel thing I know it can be a learning curve getting used to the way Silver wants to play maybe changing different styles but is there a player missing there's so much debate about maybe being a centre forward but Gav I think you alluded to it as well is, there, is, is it a midfielder is it another it is, wide yeah. player is this, what's missing there is it, is it, we need to create a midfielder a number 10 or no, no, some, I, think, I, think, I think if we play 4-2-3-1 I think we need somebody who can hold the Snyderland role and somebody who is a creative, creative player in the other one, in the, in the other, the other spec. Do you think if we'd have had Gomez against Palace and it, our midfield was Gomez and Guy, do you reckon we'd have been able to I, I, break them down? Yeah, I would think so against Palace. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, though Snyderland I thought did well again. Yeah. I, um, I just think we, we're missing out on somebody who can who can create from from deep, and I just think. Um, I think Gomez can do it, but maybe even somebody who's a little bit more cleverer than that. Um, and I think that that's that's the main problem for me at the moment, which is that all season. I think that the two we've got in midfield, we maybe have not got to, still got not the balance right, and that needs to be addressed in in in, in time for next year. We will see. We'll just end this podcast on the race for seventh. It looks like Everton are certainly going to have to win the last two games and then need snookers from another result. <laughs> uh, we'll know. We'll know more after Friday's game, which we'll preview on the Royal Blue podcast later this week. But I was looking at match of the day over the weekend, match of the day two, and I was seeing United and Arsenal struggling once again. In a way, if Everton weren't to make Europe, could it actually work in, in the club's favour? You know, because they make, could they make a more of a sustained challenge for that top six, given at least two of the clubs in 
in there at the moment don't look in great shape United have got a lot mm. of rebuilding to do and even Arsenal now you look Ozil looks like he's going to go or they certainly want him out Ramsey's going to go mm. and we've seen at Goodison Park since then they've really started to fall apart so on the road in the league yeah I, th- I think you're You'll have a lot less excuse. Like if Everton don't get into Europe, like there'll be really no excuses for trying to push for, you know, top six. Like maybe, maybe even further. You know, over the last few weeks, especially in those kind of home games that you've mentioned, there we've seen how Silver has laid the foundations for how he wants to play. You know, he's got young, talented players who are putting hundred percent effort in. Crowd are behind them. You know, we defensively solid now can cut through some of the best defences in the league if they want to that's the kind of foundation that he's laid and obviously in all the games like Newcastle Fulham Palace we've seen how it's not perfect like it, there are still deficiencies in this squad that will need to be addressed hopefully across this summer and I think if Everton do miss out on Europe it's all about utilising that summer as well as they possibly can because as you've said Manchester United are now going to be starting a project, so they're going to be at least a year behind Everton in terms of development, I'd say. Uh, obviously, they're starting off at a higher base than Everton uh, were and are now. Uh, Arsenal, uh, similar, but I think Arsenal, again, if they get have a good summer behind them, I can see them massively improving under Emery. I think it's just first season jitters for him, essentially, even though he's on the face of things, he's not all done really that badly. You know, he's in semi-finals of the Europa League so if they went on to win that competition you'd have to say that's actually quite a successful season for them he's the Europa League king isn't he oh he loves it doesn't he he's he's trying to finish sixth so he can just win the Europa League again (laughs) next season (laughs) but yeah I think it it, it is it does for me it does all boil down to how good the summer Everton have if Everton can uh, strengthen in the areas that they absolutely do need to strengthen they can continue this kind of philosophy that Silver has now laid a really good foundation for, then who's to say where Everton could finish? You know, like, as I say, if they can eradicate those sort of, you know, frustrating performances, you know, can find a way to break down teams that, you know, will sit back and give Everton a bit more of possession, then, you know, Everton can absolutely finish in the top six, but it's all about how well they use this summer. I think definitely when you think back to that, Ronald Koeman, sec, kind of ill-fated second season that, that we had. You know, that season did start so early, didn't it? I think yeah. we were playing Rosenbroch the end of July or something. Yeah. Like Mid-July. 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 Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I think definitely, you know, it, it, it did have an impact on on things. And although, you know, we can also admit that the recruitment wasn't great. Maybe if, if the season had just started at a regular time, things things could have been a little bit a little bit different and, and, and played out a little bit different for Cumin and Everton. But you know, if, if we do miss out now, I do still think it's disappointing. I don't think uh, Everton should be the eighth or ninth best team in that league, you know, regardless of how Wolves and Leicesters are doing and how, how you can take the forget Everton should easily have finished seventh. You know, we've had so many missed opportunities, you know, even regardless, you know, the games I mentioned earlier, regardless of that kind of poor spell we had, you know, there was other ones where we we've, we've dropped points and that race has ended up being so tight that two, three games have ultimately cost us this season. So although, you know, it'll be disappointing and a little bit annoying not, not to have European football, then you, you kind of do, you, you know, you've got to accept that you finish eighth, you're the eighth best team in the league, the league table never, ever lies over 38 games. You, you, that, that That's where you've ended up. So 
as Adam said, it's just about utilising that summer as, as well as we can, uh, trying to offload as much of the, the actual deadwood that we've got as we can, deciding on, you know, there's almost two squads of under-23 players and players out on loan at the moment and, you know, deciding who do you want to keep, who do you want to take a chance on, who goes out, who goes out on loan again, you know, so th- there's a lot of decisions to be making and, you know, it kind of is... It, it, it is still a project and it's still transition, isn't it? You know, we can't now just get to the end of this first season and expect results next season. It's going to take two, three, four, four years. Do you know what I mean? And and, and filling those filling those gaps in the team. And, you know, when, when you do kind of look at it and you look at it as a skeleton of a team, you know, you, you've got Pickford and Michael Keane improving. You know, if you can get Gomez and you've got Richarlison, Bernard improving every week, Dean, you know, the best left-back in the Premier League. So... You know, there's, there's something there that we can that we can definitely build on, and I think the first time in a long time, it's it's promising signs for Everton, and we're not getting to the end of the season just like, oh my god, get this season over and done with, which is last <laughs> couple, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely the last two years, and then I'd say probably even apart from the Cumin season, then you're looking at four four of the last five years or five of the last six years. So, you know, it's 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 finally nice to be kind of heading into the summer with with some positivity, even though it looks like we won't get that. Um, seventh place but you know it's, it's still important to finish with a win against Burnley and, and a performance at Spurs and you know that's definitely one thing we've got to start looking at isn't it you know our performances away at the top six so it'll be it'll be nice to get some kind of statement result at their new stadium on, on the last day but thoroughly looking forward to the summer you know it's, it's exciting times to be an Evertonian you know obviously growing up and our big transfer scoops were Marcus Benton Nigel Martin on a free and stuff like that. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see who we go for. It'll be interesting to see who brands, targets, and and then hopefully we can start next season strong. Gav, just uh, finish with you, mate. Are you uh, similarly upbeat, even if European football isn't achieved? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Sam. I want to see us play European football finances as much as anything else, and it's something that we need to sort of get used to. So if, if we don't get that, I think that'd be a major disappointment. Uh, but for me... I think rather than saying six, I think we've just got to give ourselves a points target for next year and yeah, see where that takes us, you know. Because yeah. we're what are we fifth what are we fifty? What are we now? Fifty yeah. one, something like that. Yeah, yeah um, four behind Wolves, yeah. Moise's best seasons, we got sort of early early mid sixties. I think Cumin's first season we get sixty, something like that. You know, we, we are capable, I think, with the squad we've got and if Silver pushes on, you know, next season be looking to maybe get mid sixties. It's you know it's easily achievable for us, um, and then just see where that takes us. Because it, it, seasons are funny. Some I mean, one year under Moyes, I think we got sixty-two points and finished eighth. You know, yeah. and but the, the, which is I think we got more points than what we did when we got in the Champions League when we finished fourth. It, <laughs> no, yeah. it, it depends. I mean, that season under Martin as two thousand thirteen fourteen, we had sixty-nine points after thirty-six games, which would make us fourth this yeah, season. Now, yeah, you see, so. You, you, to say it depends how the points fall and mm. and and so on and so forth. Uh, I think I think what we should be saying is how many points do you think we are next season, and I think we are capable of getting around the mid sixties mm. next season, and then just see where that takes us. Um, and um, because say you, you 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 don't know how other teams are going to perform, you can only just say how you're going to perform in terms of likely placements. So sixty five would be my target next year. I think the only disappointing thing that I would say is that we could have been capable of getting at least 60 points this season yeah. if not yeah. mid 60s this yeah. season like it was just the 
you know, we hit, we hit bad form at probably the worst time, really. You know, that December, January period, you've got so many games all yeah. in quick succession. Once you hit a bad run of form there, it's so hard to dig yourself out of it. And in in the end, we needed a 17-day break away from it to be able to to be able to do it. So, you know, if, if we'd maybe just kept up, I'm not saying like kept this form all the way through the season, but, you know, if we'd have just kept up a little bit of form during that December, yeah. January period, you're thinking at least another eight, nine, yeah. ten points. Every, every club could say that, can't you, though? Um, so it, it's really what we, what we can do. And I'll be looking for next season. If we recruit right, remember, we've got to get rid of a load of players. I mean, we've got to make it, we've got to make enough money out of the transfer market to buy players and have that money available to us. Um, I think, as I say, 65 for me. And um, let's hope that's good enough to be there or thereabouts. We will see. Hopefully, Everton put another six points on the board in these final two games of the season. We will be back later this week with a Royal Blue podcast previewing the final Goodison Park game of the season at home to Burnley. Thanks, Gav, Adam and Sam for joining us. And if you can rate, review and subscribe to this podcast on Acast, iTunes or any other place that you listen to it, that would be mostly appreciated. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.